Have a need for new and exciting products? Zero3D.com takes a clean slate approach to design and manufacturing. Zero3D.com features a wide variety of innovative products for the Harley Touring Market and other Harley Big Twins such as the Softail and Trike models. Zero3D's product line includes parts for performance, comfort, and lighting. You'll be getting components of great quality and are affordable for the rider. Because we are riders, we have a passion for design and innovation, and there's always something new to see at Zero3D.com. All of our products offer easy installation. With the proper tools and a little experience, you'll be able to get a part or accessory from Zero3D on the bike with no welding, grinding, or cutting. At Zero3D, we also have a design team with over 40 years of experience, and because our story is deeply tied to motorcycles, we offer great customer service when you need it. And Zero3D's design team is at all the big rallies where we are talking to riders and are working with riders face-to-face. Zero3D -face. products are distributed in the United States by Drag Specialties, in Europe by Parts Europe and Zodiac, and in Asia by Twin Art. Check at your local Harley dealer and ask for Zero Parts. Visit Zero3D.com or call us at 715 808 0027 if you have any questions about any Zero3D.com product. Design is the landscape of the mind, where innovation dwells. We are Zero, Zero3D.com. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of the Motorcycle Men podcast. I am Ted, here in the V-Twin Cafe in the corner booth, yet again for a wonderful episode of the podcast. Uh, special thanks to Zero3D for sponsoring the show, and please check out their new 80-page online catalog of motorcycle accessories, comfort, and performance parts for your big twin. They have a lot of great stuff, and we are currently using some of that great stuff. So uh, we're going to be doing another giveaway of some Zero3D products here in the near future, so stay tuned for that. Uh, also, thank you for tuning in, listening to the show, and, of course, to all of Motorcycle Men podcast episodes. 50% of all contributions via Patreon and direct donations are being donated to VetRest. VetRest helps veterans who live with post-traumatic stress, and we are here at the Motorcycle Men podcast are doing our part to make sure that our servicemen and women are taken care of. Your donation and your contributions to the podcast will also benefit them. Lesser extent, you help the show. Also, you can make a contribution or donate by going to our homepage at MotorcycleMen.us, or you can also click on the subscribe button there as well and make a monthly donation. Either way, anything you want to donate, most of all, it would be great. Don't forget to tell your friends about the Motorcycle Men podcast, and, of course, uh, please patronize all of our... Uh, sponsors and the people we talk about here on the show uh check them out because helping them helps us and we'd like to spread the word and now if you like me have this wild dream of traveling on your motorcycle to some faraway place or places around the world maybe around your country or even around your state or for god's sakes even around your neighborhood and yet you feel apprehensive or you have your excuses why you can't well, I hope this interview changes that for you. And while adversity of some sort might be your reason, 
be it health, finances, or fear, you need to change that. Like my guest did, she put her dreams ahead of her adversity and is living the life she wants and on her motorcycle. With me today is the very beautiful and very talented Rosie Gabriel. Okay, joining me now all the way from Oman, and if you do your geography, you have to look at a map, Google Maps, and it'll find out exactly where this person is, traveling the world all by her lonesome on her motorcycle, Rosie Gabriel. Hello, Rosie. Welcome to the Motorcycle Man Podcast. Hey, Ted. Thank you very much for having me. I am glad you are here. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Melting over here. <laughs> it's very hot. Uh, define hot. Oh gosh, you're you're in America, so you do Fahrenheit. Uh, it is around, I want to say, forty six. It's in the late forties Celsius. Oh it, really? Oh, okay. Today today it was forty nine Celsius, which is um, ridiculously hot. That is because I, I know, know that th- well. Thirty two. Well, was it? Was it yeah, thirty two degrees uh, Fahrenheit Here, for us is zero. A zero Celsius. 49. So, I, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you right. doing I've the online? Dr. Conver- <laughs> Google. Yeah, I've gone, gone to Dr. Google. All right, and Dr. Google um, says the temperature is in Oman. Dr. Says, um, no, that didn't work. Okay. <laughs> 49. Here we go. 120 Fahrenheit. No way. Is it really that hot, dude? Not pulling, not pulling your leg. And it's not even just the fact that it's 120 Fahrenheit, but it's around like 50, 60 percent humidity. On top of that, um, well, that's not like too I went bad. to the pool today. <laughs> yeah, I went to the pool today to get a bit of a tan, and I, 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 you can't sit there. You just can't. And the ocean is the same exact temperature as the air. And the worst oh, part of it all so there's is no relief. it's Ramadan. No, and <laughs> it's Ramadan right now, and you cannot eat or drink in public so you know forget about trying to hydrate yourself oh um, wow it's, it's possible that, yeah that doesn't sound like a boatload of fun right now well i, I you know <laughs> <laughs> not not a whole bunch anyway so listen so so you're in oman and for the, for those who again mm. who are not good at uh, geography it's just a little little to the right of saudi arabia right there on arabian sea are you are you near the near the ocean Absolutely, I'm about a five-minute drive from the ocean. Oh, so that's great. So that's okay. So you can go down there and not yeah. cool off, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, and you can skip the part between diapers and your first beer. <laughs> um, well, I am from Vancouver, Canada, originally, born and raised. And um, gosh, a little bit about myself. Um uh, where do I start? <laughs> um, I moved out to the Middle East about nine or ten years ago now. I started my own photography company out here. And um, and then just recently I've decided to um, continue. Uh, sorry, this is where you edit it out. Beep. Um <laughs> <laughs> you think so? Can we start over? We're going to start this question over because I I'm, I was really stuck on this question actually because um, I don't know what the fuck I do. Uh, what do, I do? 
Well, you ride around on your motorcycle and you take um, you take pictures. Well, uh, let, me, uh, let me skip around a little bit. Okay? Yeah. Okay. You, you call yourself a photographer that rides a motorcycle and not a motorcyclist who takes pictures. You, you want to expand on that? That might help. Or did um, I just answer I my own question? You on that. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. No. I they they both kind of emerged at the same time. I started photography the same time I started riding a motorcycle, right. and basically I wouldn't. I'm I'm an adventure seeker. I'm a soul searcher. I, I want to travel the world by motorcycle, and I want to be able to document that. And just so happens that I'm a photographer, so I'm able to capture these moments in creative, interesting ways. Okay. And, and well, yeah. because uh, through your um, Instagram page and, of course, your YouTube mm. page, you document everything mm. that you're doing, which I find mm. extremely entertaining, by the way. Thank you so much. So, what's a girl like you from Canada doing in Oman? Okay. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory here just so you can get some context. Um, When I was 19, I decided to do my first solo tour, and it was to Southeast Asia. And I... uh, Oh, fuck. I'm um, sorry. Uh, I need caffeine. <laughs> uh, I'm very jet-lagged at the moment, and my brain's not working at all, so just have to bear with me here. Right. <laughs> um, jet Yeah, I just came back from Africa. I was just meant to ride through Africa, and now I'm on my way home. So this was just a small stopover, and my brain's kind of upside down and backwards at the moment. Oh. So. Um, so anyways, when I was 19, I did my first solo trip to Southeast Asia, and um, that was when I first uh, discovered riding, and I got on a motorcycle, and I decided to do 12,000 kilometers across the four countries. Um, and you had and never done after- this before? No, no, I had never ridden a bike before, and I got there, and taking the bus from point A to point B, just, it wasn't doing it. For me, I went there for you know a cultural experience to do my photography to get you know to meet the people and taking a bus from point A to B, missing everything in between, just wasn't doing it for me. Um, so that's when I had taken a small little uh, weekend trip. I'd rented a bike, never ridden before, and I was sold. I was like, this is how I have to travel, and that was uh, without divulging my age. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I was 19, so that was. Uh, 12 years ago, I'm 31, turning 32. Um, yeah, so I was 19, oh, and I, you know, I'm just a baby. Just a baby. Uh, <laughs> but there was no, you know, fancy GPSs or phones or anything like that. I, I had a paper map, and I decided to continue the four countries, which was Laos, Vietnam, Thailand, and Cambodia, uh, by myself. And I did that over six months. So, I'm kind of going off topic here. That's, right. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when I when I got home, uh, I still wanted to travel, and I needed to make money. And a friend of mine's like, hey, you're a really good singer. You should do something with that. And I had been singing my entire life, and, you know, I never thought to do anything with it. And um, I'd never really, I'd never sung on stage or, or anything like that. And so I applied to a band, and lo and behold, I, I 
I got the job. I got the the gig, okay. and they had a contract in Oman. I'd never heard of this country up until this point. I was like, where? <laughs> and two weeks, I had to learn 60 songs, and suddenly I'm shipped off, you know, to the Middle East to perform in front of hundreds of people. And there I was. <laughs> no kidding. So. I did that at the Grand Hyatt. It's a five-star hotel out here. And I did that six nights a week for six months and sang in Dubai after that and then came back to Oman, was a rock climbing instructor for two years, and then I opened my own photography company after that. Wow. Wow, look at you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> what a score so that was, huh? <laughs> that's how, yeah, you never would have thought that, huh? No. So that's how, uh, what brought me out to the Middle East. Wow, no kidding. That's not, now, you know, the funny thing is, is I've, been, I've been playing, doing music for, God, 30, 40 years, and I've mm. never, ever had scored a deal like that right out of the box. Hey, come on, <laughs> we're going to send you overseas. You know, that's, that, that doesn't mm. happen. So it was, you. it was the blonde hair. Yeah, it was the blonde hair. They were searching well, for a blonde hair female. <laughs> <laughs> you did you did far better than I did that's for sure <laughs> yeah. so what inspired you to take this this journey the solo trip by yourself um, and had you ever considered riding a motorcycle up to that point when I was 19 you mean? yeah uh, I had done a few group trips up until that point I'd been to Guatemala twice to meet wow. my sponsored child and do some work at a school there and then I'd also been to Romania and I was doing um, volunteer work there with a church and some orphanages. So I, you know, I traveled a bit, and but I always wanted to do a solo trip. So Southeast Asia seemed, you know, a pretty good start to me because a lot of people after high school they go there and it's well traveled. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start there, mm -hmm. not ever thinking that I would ride a bike over there. But um, when I got there, I was just so disappointed, you know, to be you know, take a bus with all these other tourists just to be dropped off at a hostel with a bunch of other tourists. And mm -hmm. it just, it wasn't that cultural experience that I was hoping for. Right. And, um, yeah, so the minute I got on the two wheels, I was just like, nope, this this is how I'm going to do it, and I'll just learn along the way. Wow. <laughs> and what kind of bike were you riding then? It, it was a 125cc Honda Dream. Ooh. So nothing fancy. And I was looking at some bigger bikes. However, um my my reasoning for getting this bike was a all the locals had it everyone had the parts everyone knew how to fix it and i knew it could also take me everywhere that i wanted to go because this was the bike that all the locals had right wow <laughs> so i had a um a backpack and i i bungee corded it to the back of the bike and i did the entire 12,000 kilometers in birkenstock sandals and shorts <laughs> <laughs> really? So yeah. Uh, so when these uh, ATT AG or yeah, all gear at, all the time. Gat, yeah. So you were like yeah. no gear all the time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. When they when they um, scold me now, I should be like, you know, oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> now, were you wearing a colander for a helmet? Uh, it, it it was barely passable as a bicycle helmet. Oh no. <laughs> So, so, so you were you were doing it, but you were doing it a little wrong by by most standards. But that's okay. But you were doing it, and you were having fun doing yeah. it, right? Yeah, I just didn't tell my mother for like the first oh, few months. <laughs> so now, fun? so now here you are, an <laughs> an an adult, and I do that with air quotes. Uh, you're mm. you're this adult, and you're you're riding through Africa now. Yeah. So right 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 now you're at this stopover in Oman, 
And mm. uh, but you you did ride through uh, through South Africa. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I uh, just this last winter. Well, it was. Um, I decided this last year that I was finally going to travel the world by motorcycle because this was my dream for the past, you know, since I did that Southeast Asia tour, that's all I've been dreaming about is I want to travel the world by motorcycle. Mm -hmm. But I kind of got stuck in this rut and routine and comfortable lifestyle that I had in Oman, although it wasn't really conducive to my health. It was actually horrible for my body, you know, both physically and mentally, but you know, I was, it was comfortable. I was stuck in a revolving door. Oh, I know that. Yeah. And it wasn't until this last year that I finally woke up and I said, you know what, I'm going to start living my life for me. And so the first trip that I did was, sorry, I'm going off on a huge tangent here, but I think I should kind of lead you up to what, what brought me to Africa. Um, so I, I've been saying for years, oh, I want to go to San Francisco, you know, and it's it's south. It's, it's really close to Vancouver. And so this summer I finally took my 1983 Honda Shadow, which was the very first bike I ever bought, you know, my big girl bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was 20, when I got home from Southeast Asia, that was my first bike. So I still have it, still in great condition. And that's when I decided to do a 5,000 kilometer round trip from Vancouver down to Yosemite and back. But I did it with my little dog, Winston. And he was attached to a little front backpack. And I've done this cute little video of our trip. But it was absolutely amazing. So this was kind of the start of, you know, this is where I want my life to go. And this is what I'm going to try and do. And so from there, uh, I decided to... I. From there, I wanted to go to India because this was the next thing on my list. I've been saying for years, oh, I want to ride all of India because I have ridden um, all of the south and I've ridden parts of the north as well. And I said, you know what? I really want to cover this country as a whole and Nepal. So it's right next door to Oman. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go to Oman and I'm going to do a trip here first. I had done a trip earlier that year here, but it was cut short due to um, some health issues. So mm-hmm. I said, you know what, I'm going to redo the trip there, and then I'm going to go to India. And um, so I did the trip in Oman. It was awesome. I did it on a lovely KLR 650. Mm-hmm. And just suddenly I, I came across a fellow on one of my social channels, and he was telling me how he rode his bike from Zanzibar to Cape Town. And but he was unable to bring the bike back to Zanzibar, but it needed to get out of the country. And I and suddenly a light bulb just goes off in my head and I was just like, um, I could ride your bike back for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because to bring a bike yeah. over to Africa An is extremely expensive. Right? Yeah, exactly. So this opportunity presented itself and yeah. I was just like, yes. And you know, my dream I mean, my dream has been to go to Africa, but there was always this thing in the back of my head saying, you know, it's everyone told me how dangerous it was. They'll stab you for your shoelaces, all these negative, horrible things. So I was talking to a friend of mine, a female who had ridden a good portion of Africa by herself and said, no, it's just like every other country. They, you know, they tell you how dangerous it is or whatever. I said, it's the exact same. People are amazing there. You have to go. So then I was like, all right, have to go. (laughs) <laughs> so um, I I booked my flights to Africa and I arrived in Cape Town and 
I was hoping to only be in Cape Town for a week just to kind of sort the bike out. And I had brought it to the mechanics, had it fully serviced, fully looked over top to bottom. Mm -hmm. The owner himself had not one issue with the bike, like not even a puncture from Zanzibar to Cape Town, not one puncture. And even the mechanics said, you know, this bike is in good shape to go across Africa because that was very, you know, important to me that this bike was going to be safe. Um, but what was supposed to be one week turned into six weeks of absolute hell. Okay. And it started with the shocks completely bursting um, front and back. And basically the shock specialist said, you know, these shocks were done 5,000 kilometers ago. The rust holes is basically like a termite's mess, nest. <laughs> like the rust holes were so big you could stick your fingers through it. Wow. And basically... What was happening to this bike is it had sat in Zanzibar for seven years and it was corroding from the what? inside out. Oh. Yeah. So there's so much corrosion because it was a Yamaha XT660. They're great bikes. Um, but, it, it, I mean, it was just a, a problem waiting to happen. And you volunteered and during, to ride this bike. Yeah. And within, like, I got trapped up in the mountains there. The entire bike broke down to corrosion in the electrical system. I had the pipes corroded. Like, everything was just falling apart. And at that point, you know, I had done a little video and posted it and said, you know what, I'm, I'm so close to giving up here. And then I thought, you know what, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue. I'm going to get to Johannesburg, and then I'm going to make a decision from there. And um, I, in total, I did 6,000 kilometers across... South Africa and the bike oh my gosh so I get more than halfway and suddenly like there's just problems all the time I get more than half the way and suddenly the caliper front caliper clasps onto the front disc brake locking the front wheel flying me off my bike <laughs> like and luckily I was in a place where there was like tons of potholes and I had to go really slow so I was going slow okay. but the bike still threw me off and I was convinced this bloody bike was kind of trying to kill me like no joke this bike was trying to kill me and yeah and then I finally get to Johannesburg I'm five kilometers out of the city on a four lane highway and the bike just flat out dies in the middle of rush hour traffic wow. dies and I was like you are kidding me like it, I just, I couldn't imagine. And I'd done a funny little video post and someone commented saying, you know, that's really funny. Like on February 10th, because this was now March, April 10th or April 11th, April 10th or April 11th. Um, they said February 10th, the same exact thing happened. Your electrical system failed the exact same day. What's going on? Is this a scam? And I went back in my posts and sure enough, on that exact day, the electrical system failed. Same as this April 10th, 11th, the electrical system failed. Right. And I was like, I'm curious. Today is a full moon. I'm really curious. So I looked at the full moon chart for February, and sure enough, February 10th was the full moon. So I was like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I'm, I'm creeped out. Oh, but uh, I took it to the mechanic in Johannesburg who basically said, whoever told me that this bike was okay to cross Africa is a lunatic because this bike is not okay. And he's like, I would not feel comfortable you taking it across the street without this entire thing being rebuilt top to bottom. And this was the Yamaha, right? This was the Yamaha, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that's my South African story. And so I was, you know, I was 
I was gutted because now suddenly my dream trip is just shattered to like oblivion. Like, not only was I going to go to Zanzibar, but I was going to do like a little, nice little scenic ten country route up and over. And now suddenly my dreams of traveling Africa were just squashed, like a little ant, and I was devastated. So, I was trying to potentially find a new sponsor for a bike, and.、Mm-hmm. Um, In the end, actually, I just left South Africa two days ago. I had a big presentation in Johannesburg, and I was kindly offered. I was sponsored a bike for that trip. Really? So, yeah, super stoked. And what kind of bike is that? Any bike I want. It's、no、a、kidding. company. Yeah, yeah. So、uh, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna test ride a, a variety of different bikes and just see which one is the best to do around the world trip on. Wow. Now, well, let, let's go back up a little bit now to, to Cape、yeah. Town. When no, you first got there, did you have a bike when you got there?、Uh, it was this bike. So I. Oh, it was, it was the it was the Yamaha. Yeah, yeah. So I flew there specifically to pick up this bike. Okay. So where did the KLR come in? Uh, the Kaler was uh, uh, my friend's bike in Oman that I borrowed, and in Oman you cannot rent a bike or anything like that. So this is a friend of mine、okay. um, lent me the Kaler to do the trip. Wow! Now is that in, so? You still have to pick out the bike that you want to, when you get back down to Cape Town. That's where you're going to pick out the bike you want. Uh, it's in Johannesburg. Yeah, it's in Johannesburg. yeah, South Africa、right. is where.、I'm, yeah, so. I'm looking at a few options right now.、Um, unfortunately, they don't sell Kawasaki KLRs in South Africa. They don't have a dealership. What about the? But there、uh, are. Have you considered the Suzuki V-Strom 650 Adventure? I've I've heard. I've had a lot of people suggest this bike. Okay.、Um, I just have to look at different things like. Well, wait,、uh, wait, and how how tall it is? How, well, how tall are you? I'm five six and a half. Okay, so you're tall, girl. So on a stock, yeah, yeah, I'm a decent size.、Um, on a stock, <laughs> on a stock KLR, it's a little bit big. I did. I used to have a 2015 KLR, and and we lowered it. Okay.、Um, but yeah,、um, and now there's so many modifications you can do for bikes. Weight isn't really an issue for me.、Um, <laughs> my the Yamaha was so I was carrying about a hundred kilos worth of gear on that thing. It was ridiculous. Well, I'm watching well, some of the I'm watching some of your videos <laughs> that you're doing, and, and you're on the you're on the KLR with that. Yeah. And I I, I noticed that. Then did you have any mechanical issues with that bike? No, I mean I was only gone for ten days,、okay. so、um, yeah. I mean what I mean well things go wrong, but、um, yeah, not much can go wrong in ten days. Did you have any?、Uh, tell us about some of the challenges you had with that.、Uh, for one, the bike was too tall for me、uh, because it was a lowered bike. I couldn't have it proper.、Uh, it was, sorry, because it was a borrowed bike, I couldn't have it properly lowered.、Right. So a big、um, struggle for me every day. Like the first day, I dropped the bike, but that's because I saw. Uh, it, In those videos, you can't even tell just how difficult those roads are. You really cannot. And people say, "Oh no, that's that's those are easy roads. You ride like a ten-year-old." It's like, no, dude, that that road is nearly vertical and it's fesh fesh. Its stuff is basically like liquid ice. It is ridiculously slippery. It's not even sand. It's it's stupid. And the the turns were just 
hairpin turns, like ridiculously and and steep, and um, and I, and I couldn't, I could barely touch on the ground. So, um, yeah, I dropped the bike the first day that way. But every other time I dropped the bike, which was pretty much every day, sometimes. Oh. Sometimes twice a day, I'd hate to admit, but it was always standing still because I would stop the bike and I go to put my foot down and the ground was slightly, you know, on an angle. Right, there's and nothing well, there for you to step on. No, and down goes Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and, and at that time, like, I do have a lot of back issues and, you know, I've, I've watched all the tutorials and I know the recommended way to pick up the bike. However, that specific way immediately put pressure on my lower back where I have the injury. And so it's a, it's a no-go. And I'm not stupid. I'm not going to push myself and injure yeah, myself not. even more. And well, I don't one the, have... One of the things I noticed when you were trying to pick the bike up is that you didn't mm -hmm. unload the bike first. Oh, yeah. A lot of people say this. The bag weighed <laughs> six kilos. It really right. made no difference. It didn't make a difference. Really? Damn, whatever. No. I, I mean, I took the bag off other times, and it, it was the same deal. The issue is, is I don't, first off, there's no panniers on the bike. So right. the bike lays flat, flat on the ground. Right. So, and to lift it up when the bike is absolutely flat, you have no leverage. And first off, I don't deadlift weights at the gym. I don't have big muscular legs, number one. Number two, to do that in that position, it immediately put too much pressure on my lower spine. Right, so cool. whether there's a six kilo bag on the back or not, it really made no difference. Yeah. It, it made, yeah, right. When a bike does lay flat like that, it's almost impossible to pick it up. Uh, because I ride a big Harley, uh, my, mm. you know, it, that's a totally different animal when it comes to that. And again, mm. the bike won't lay over on its side completely. Not that I've ever dropped no. it, but um, yeah. it, it does just won't. Now, at no, any point no. during your, your little 10-day thing with the KLR, did you ever feel like just giving it up? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, when I did drop the bike, um, and I realized after the trip that I could, in fact, pick up the bike. And it's funny because I made this little video. It's, it's kind of <laughs> it's funny. Um, I'm going to be posting that after all of my episodes in Oman. But I was able to pick it up my way, the way that was good for my back. And good. it's not the recommended way everyone says, by the way. Different bodies, different bikes, different techniques. That's exactly. all I have to say. Exactly. But uh, had I known during my trip that I was able to pick this bike up, I never would have met the incredible people that I did. Right. And although, you know, it was a struggle and there was, you know, it was, it was hard, it was so rewarding. Like when I finished uh, that Wadi Bunny Alf and those two mountain passes, it was incredible. And um, there's always going to be struggles. And even across South Africa, oh, damn, you better believe there was a, a load of times where I thought, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> you know, this is, I, what the hell am I doing? Because this is killing, killing me. And this is ridiculous. And this bike is trying to kill me. But I wouldn't, you know, I'm so thankful for all of the bad things that happened on those trips because I learned a lifetime oh, worth of things. Oh, my God. Like, I, I envy um, what you went through. I really, I really yeah. do. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. I grew spiritually. I grew emotionally. I, I learned about myself. I learned about life and about people. And, you know, had it had it gone perfectly smooth, well, yeah, then I wouldn't have learned anything. Right. What are you going to get out of that, right? Yeah, exactly. So how have the people been reacting throughout the various countries that you've been going to? How have mm. they been reacting to what you're doing? 
Um, first off, they usually say like, oh, so wait, where's your friends? Where's your husband? But no, <laughs> you're not alone. No, no. <laughs> you know, they're, they're very surprised. And then I tell them I'm alone. And, you know, first off, they're like, oh, are you, are you scared? And, and generally when they see a solo female, like they just want to help me and they want to take care of me. Right. And they've been nothing but supportive and just so wonderful. Anyone I've met anywhere around the world and... You know, it's it's really incredible to, to witness that. So you never had any issues with any of the people, or, and you never felt threatened at all, did you? No, 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 not at all. In fact, um, there was an instance in Oman. It was at the end of my, I did a video, my experience traveling the Middle East as a solo female. And at the end of that video, I... I become emotional and I cry and I'm a typical girl no <laughs> um, but I was brought to tears I met these two gentlemen who helped me um, pick up my bike obviously uh -huh. and um, I was absolutely brought to tears just I was so moved that I'm able to have these experiences and meet these people, these people who have stigmas attached to them that, you know, half the world thinks this about them, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm, it was such a beautiful thing that I could capture such a positive interaction with them and be able to share that with everyone. And I was brought to tears because these two gentlemen were honestly some of the nicest people I've ever met. And um, this is generally, you know, the wherever I go and the people I meet are the nicest people I've ever met. Wow, that's great. And really I've never, cool. you know, I've never encountered anyone like in the Middle East, people who, who nobody judges me for um, being a foreigner, for being a female, for what I wear, for the religion, anything. Right. And I'm invited into people's homes and accepted as one of them and, and loved as, as a, as one of their family. Wow. See, you know what? And, and that's the same kind of thing that we don't hear about here in the U.S. We never hear yeah. about that. And it's the exact yeah. opposite. Um, yeah. So now, as far as it goes for, 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 for your, what you've been doing, now, of course, now mind is you're on, you're on this long journey. Now, you've been tent camping this whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how has that been? Uh, majority. Majority of it was, right? Mm -hmm. And how was that for you? And what have you, what we've we been doing for food and, you know, like your personal maintenance showers and such? <laughs> well, let's just say it's really good that the camera can't pick up smell. <laughs> I had a comment on one of my YouTube videos recently saying, no, you look far too clean. I think it's all made up. You definitely have a backup vehicles and a film crew. This is too well produced and you look too clean. I'm like, dude, if you could only smell me, like, <laughs> of course, I'm not going to be covered in mud. I'm, I'm traveling through a desert. It's dusty. Right. Like, and, you know, thanks for the compliments of the fact that it's so well produced i do in fact film everything myself edit everything myself and because he was saying also like well your bike just fell who thinks to set up a camera to film like picking it up it's just like well i'm producing con content and this yeah, is what makes what you have to good do. content so yeah. there's sacrifices but with the the tenting um it, in oman it's amazing i cannot vouch for this country enough as you know, as an adventure rider, as a traveler, to come here, the you can camp absolutely 
anywhere and it's completely safe and it's free and it's beautiful um i don't uh, obviously you've been on my instagram and my facebook mm-hmm. like some of the places i camped on on cliff faces like on basically the side of the grand canyon it's mm-hmm. just phenomenal and um what would you do for fresh yeah. water and things like that uh well you're never so far like i do pack a decent amount of water with me because I, I am a bit of a camel. I, I drink a lot. Okay. But there's always villages nearby. There's always people and there's always these little tiny, tiny, tiny little shops where you can where you can get water. Mm-hmm. And food, um, I don't eat a lot when I'm on the road. If I have a big lunch, then I just want to sleep. <laughs> so usually when I'm traveling, I have like protein powder for breakfast. So I stick it in some water. Mm-hmm. And for lunch, I will have fresh fruit and vegetables on the road or, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a fancy eater. I'm okay just having a can of beans or a cucumber and avocado for lunch. I'm really simple. And then for dinner, in Oman for dinner, I would just have like an instant soup or, you know, something like that, something super easy. Have you been sampling a lot of the local foods? Mm, I have a lot of dietary restrictions, so there's a lot of stuff that I can't eat. But uh, the, the you, you can't actually find a lot of local food in Oman. It's mainly like Indian or Turkish. There's... Unless you go to a local's house, right. you can't really restaurants that have local yeah. food. Well, you you, you yeah. mentioned about dietary restrictions. Can we, t- um, if you want, I can edit I can edit this out and ask you about it. But, uh, can we talk about your your, your uh, you have a I believe it was fibromyalgia you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how how has that been on the trip? Has that made the has it made your trip any difficult? Oh, has it? Um, so when I did. The smaller trips I did when I did the 23-day trip to California, mm-hmm. and then just the recent one in Oman that was 10 days. It was really tough on my body, and um, the reason why I kind of started uh, traveling or wanting to do this traveling around the world is that my health has rapidly deteriorated throughout the years, and I basically spent my life savings trying to heal myself naturally and it just wasn't working and my health was getting worse and I thought you know what I can stay at home and I can be miserable or I could go off into the world and at least I'm living with uh, passion and my heart and the pain is always going to be trips was a real struggle and I thought sorry but I did these it was rather, I was kind of somewhat in denial, thinking, "Oh no, I can easily do this. You know, my body will eventually get used to it, and so on." But when I got to South Africa, first off, the wind there was ridiculous, and really? I had yeah, it's crazy wind there, and I had no windscreen, and I had an open face helmet. <laughs> And so, <laughs> I mean, that's a recipe for disaster for any average person who doesn't have, you know, muscle and nerve deterioration. But, um, and the first two and a half weeks I was traveling South Africa, I was camping every night and I wasn't getting restful sleeps and, you know, just kept building and building and building. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't pacing myself and I wasn't able to get myself back up to 
you know, I'm okay now. Um, it just kept building. And um, yeah, there, there's even on a normal day when I'm not traveling, there isn't a day that I don't, that doesn't go by that I'm not in pain. Mm-hmm. But when I am traveling, that, that pain, uh, I mean, I have a very high threshold for pain, but it, it kills me. Um, but I still try and think of, you know, this is what I really, really want to do. And so I, I keep pushing and pushing. Right. So well, I just have to find a, a good medium. <laughs> well, that's, well, it's part of it. You know, you can either let it beat you or you can let it make you stronger. And yeah. it's obviously yeah. you're, you're letting it, you know, you're not letting it beat you. And you're, you're, you're fighting. And you're, no. you're being strong about it. And I, it's quite admirable because I do know people who uh, suffer with the same thing. And it, it, it makes life difficult, but again, you have to forge forward, and that's exactly what you're doing. And it's, it's quite, ad, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's very admirable what you're doing now. Um, but anyway, I, I imagine that this, this whole trip has given you some amazing photographic opportunities. Can you expand on that a little bit? Um, yeah, well, one... <laughs> uh, it, it was hard because when you're so far, you get the motivation to bring out your camera sometimes, yeah. but then you're like, oh, this is so epic, I have to. Um, and like in Oman, the, it was, I had some great opportunities for some amazing photos here. And so I do, I set up my camera on my tripod and I've got my little self timer and I'm probably the only rider out there, adventure rider, who travels with three tripods and a flash gun. like the only one because it's crazy but I'm not much of a perfectionist and I love my art it's a way that I express myself and but one of the craziest opportunities um, closer to this pass and in the distance I see this massive wildfire like the biggest wildfire I've ever seen I thought, okay, no, my like surely that's not the route that I have to go. But my GPS was leading me closer and closer and closer. And then finally, I get to the town where like there's a wildfire right there, and I was just like, what? Like, why isn't this town evacuating? This thing is huge. And um, sure enough, the path that I needed to take to get to the next town was completely closed due to this wildfire. Mm-hmm. And I was um, reassured by one of the locals that no, this fire's been burning for about a week now and the town is too green like there's no way the fire is going to come into the town okay so i managed to i i met this uh, local farmer who let me stay at his farm um and so i set up my tent and i set up the bike and i just thought you know this is the perfect opportunity for a photo and i just had this vision in my mind of me standing on my bike you know backed by my flash having this incredible wildfire in the distance and um yeah so i set up the shot and um, took off my clothes obviously because it was too hot and um (laughs) cut a pretty badass photo (laughs) is that the one that's on your facebook page where you're standing on your bike yes yes that's a beautiful picture thank you wonderful very nice so uh, the big question that i that i get with a lot of this stuff is uh, how are you funding all this that is the number one question I get, yeah. and it's really funny. And every time people ask me that, I just have to chuckle because it's like, uh, 
I save money traveling. Like, how do people afford their lives with their extortionate rent, with their two and a half cars, with their children, with, yeah. you know, the fancy Gucci clothes that they wear? Who wears and Gucci clothes? The, I don't. Well, no, you know, the, the fancy... Okay, the fancy clothes that they wear, yeah, I you know, whether it be adventure riding gear right. or, you know, this consumerism, this need, need, need more, you know, their, their closets full of clothes, to going out in the night. I mean, I yeah. have most friends back home who spend a few hundred dollars easily on drinks and food. That's crazy. And that, you know, that one night can afford a couple weeks of travel. No kidding. And as I mentioned, um, I'm either camping for free. Yeah. Or halfway through my South Africa tour, I actually thought to start emailing hostels saying, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, would you like to support this? Oh, and nice. so I got all my accommodations paid for after that. Wow. And as I mentioned as well, with what I eat, mm -hmm. uh, it's not a lot on the road, so I'll maybe spend $30 in groceries on food an entire week. Wow. So and to give you an example, uh, I just went to uh, Moab, Utah. I spent a week there huh. mountain biking. Didn't do any motorcycle riding, but you know, did some things. The trip cost me mm -hmm. over three thousand dollars. Yeah. For that trip, and it was only a week. Yeah. And here you yeah. are. You're traveling through the Middle East on roughly, you said, like thirty dollars a day. If. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The most expensive thing I spend is gas. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so again, so with a little inventiveness. A little research, yeah. you could actually do this for yeah. very little money. But it all depends on, on each person, right? Because some people can't camp every night. I, I'm okay not showering for a week. I don't have anyone to impress. I really don't <laughs> care if I smell or not, really. <laughs> I really don't care. And so, but some people have to have a shower every night and stay in a comfortable bed. And, you know, they eat a, a considerable amount. So it just all depends. And if like, I eat locally, too, so I'm okay eating, you know, when I was in India, eating off the street and this sort of thing. That, that was okay. Right. Uh, whereas some people have to only eat at fancy, nice places. Mm -hmm. So it's not for everybody, but I do, I, I budget, and I actually save money. My rent back in Vancouver was ridiculous. Gas for my van was cost money. Then there's bills. Then there's... The, this, that, and the other, right? Yeah, so, when, when you get into that kind of lifestyle where you got to have... It's your, all what you prioritize in life. Exactly, right? You know, I, I love camping, so I had no trouble with doing it. I could do a, I could do a trip like that. I, I Although, I, I would need a shower every two days at least because then I'd start feeling like the hugest <laughs> grease bowl in the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in your travels, are you using any GPS and, or are you using maps or are you just like throwing dust in the air or falling in the wind? What are you doing? I have a bit of both. I do always have a map with me, but I have my GPS as well. But I never predetermine where I'm going to end up at the end of the day. Oh, I just have really? a general direction. And I, yeah, yeah, no, I don't, because I don't like that. It, it makes me anxious to feel like, okay, I have to get to this spot. And then you miss out on opportunities, because what if something pops up and it gives you this opportunity to go here or meet this person and then if you have to be somewhere at the end of the day then you're always oh no sorry i can't or it doesn't leave you open to kind of do other things right yeah so i mean outside of well outside of your cell phone did you have any other kind of communication mm -hmm. like a, no no nothing now did you meet any other no. any other motorcyclists adventure riders while you're out 
I met local ones that were kind of doing day trips type thing. Right. But um, I didn't meet. There was another girl named Anna. I can't pronounce her last name. She's from somewhere in the Ukraine, I think. Um, she's going around the world, and she was one country ahead of me in Africa. But I didn't actually meet her, but she was she was in the same area as me, but wow, didn't meet neat. her in the Now, with regard to your filming, like I say, I, I think your videos are, are wonderful. I love them. What what, what, kind of, what kind of camera are you using? What cameras are you using? Uh, so my primary camera now, which I just got, is the Sony RX100 Mark V. And it's a little pocket camera. And it's like a vlog, or vlog style one where the back flips up so you can see yourself when you talk. But this little camera packs a pretty powerful punch. I mean, it films in 4K video. It's got incredible depth of field it's really great and what's the um, model again it's the sony rx 100 mark 5 okay how's, the, how's the audio on that the audio is really good unless there's you're in a windy situation um then i kind of put this little uh, wind muff on it thing but mm -hmm. the audio is really good if you saw the video where i dropped the bike, yeah. and I set the camera up probably about, I want to say, seven or eight meters away. I mean, you could pick up my audio just fine. Yeah, wow. I was like, I said, it's and, really uh, great. And then, of course, you got tripods and all this other stuff you're carrying with you. Yeah, and then I, I film with my Canon 5D Mark III when I need more uh, cinematic shots or, or something. And then I have two GoPros that I film with. Two GoPros, are those the uh, Hero 5s? No, I've got the Hero 4 and the Hero 3 Plus. Oh, okay. So that Canon that you're using, what model is that again? Mm. I'm going to put links to these on the uh, website. Yeah, that's a 5D Mark III. 5D Mark III. I'm going to have to check mm -hmm. these out. Because I've been, I've been using uh, an, a very old uh, GoPro. And, uh, of course, it has okay. no audio to speak of horrible mm. and of course a tom tom action camera which is okay but yeah. uh no, I, the I, new the new gopros are significantly better than the old ones like that's what I hear. and even from yeah even from the three plus to the four like i want to get rid of my three plus and get another four because just to have that integrated screen and by the way do not get the four plus or the four plus black because the battery is built into the GoPro, so you can't exchange the batteries. You can only charge that one, and the batteries go, like, within 20 minutes, half an hour. Well, how many batteries minutes. do you carry with you with the ones you have? I have five GoPro batteries, and then I have three of the Sony batteries, and then I have four Canon batteries. And they last, and that's they, just, and they last for you for, to do what you have to do? Uh, no, I, I do have to charge them <laughs> every few days, but at least I won't be stuck out in the middle of if I don't have a charging system for two days, I'm still good. Yeah. Now, do you have a, a solar charger by any chance? No, I don't. I yeah. just have I have two additional little pocket USB charger things, mm -hmm. and recently I got a bike charger. Ah, there you go. I've, yeah, because I've never been one with all this fancy stuff. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> so it's, it's, it well, you would know enough to, to produce that, some yeah. great videos. And what? And you said you're using the Adobe software to create your videos. 
Yeah, I, I use Adobe Premiere Pro, and I just I was I waited a year to edit my stuff because mm-hmm. I was so intimidated um, by jumping into this. Um, my ex, I worked with him for two and a half years. I filmed all of his videos, and I watched him edit all the time. And um, it is like the best. It's one of the best softwares out there. It's the most intricate. It's like your Photoshop compared to your Lightroom. Okay. It's very intricate and detailed. But it was so intimidating. And then I finally got into it and I was like, oh, you know, nowadays with YouTube tutorials, you can pretty much find out how to do anything. And within, you know, once I started getting through the videos, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was addicting. And I was like, oh, gosh, I love this. And, um, but it, it still takes a good, you know, three, four days to produce one video of like 10 to 12 hours a day editing. So when you're traveling on the bike and you're going on all these mm. horrible roads, do you have mm. a laptop with you or, or an iPad that you're working with? I have my laptop, yeah, and all my hard drives and all my camera gear. <laughs> wow. And don't you worry about this stuff getting damaged now? Uh, well, luckily for my South Africa tour, SW Motec sponsored me. Um, I had worked with them in the past with my uh, with my ex. Our, our bikes in America were sponsored mm-hmm. by them. And great gear, really reliable. And they sponsored me for this trip, uh, aluminum hard cases. Oh, so I, I just put my, yeah, I put my laptop in the top case and... Yeah, I mean it was it was well protected and it was fine. It's it's a risk you take, but you know you have to. Well, I I filled um, a two terabyte hard drive in a few months, so. Wow. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was I film every single day, sun up to sundown. And are you uploading videos like uh, every day, or, or do you like wait a week before you upload them? No, when I was actually traveling on the road, I. I was so exhausted, and it's a real commitment because a lot of people say, oh, you know, it looks so easy, and it's such a glamorous lifestyle. It takes a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and a lot of self-discipline because at the end of the day, when you're so tired, you have to charge all your stuff, you have to download all your cards, you have to, you know, set up and do it again the next day, and then to edit on the road, and I'm very particular like i can't just edit anywhere i have to be in like a comfortable environment so it's these people these people who travel and do somehow upload two videos a week i don't understand how they do that but but their videos tend to be a little bit more simpler minor i'm a bit of a perfectionist (laughs) so (laughs) well they're very well they're very well produced thank you um but yeah you know i I'm not happy with just mediocre. I have to have five different camera angles and this cut and Mm -hmm. time specifically to the music. So, you know, I found when I was traveling on the road, I wasn't actually able to, um, to upload or to edit any videos. Hence why I'm still, I'm so behind. (laughs) You don't see like, there's nothing of South Africa or my other trips. I've just started now. So because I'm stationary for a little bit. (laughs) So when do you start your next trip? I don't know. So I'm on my way home. I'm going back to Vancouver, Canada for the summer just to kind of rest, recharge, and Mm -hmm. edit videos. (laughs) And um, the fall is when Africa typically, or like mid, like that whole eastern coast of Africa has its rainy season. 
So I don't really want to go back out there yeah. in the rainy season. So I just need to time it accordingly and figure out. Yeah, so that's it's going to be more dependent on on weather. Why don't you it's do a uh, Why don't you do a trip across uh, the U.S. Uh, I've done a lot of the U.S. I did a what was it a five and a half thousand mile trip from Austin, Texas to Arizona, Utah, and back, which was amazing. Oh my gosh! Like uh, Moab and uh, the entire area in Utah and Arizona is just incredible. Oh, it's gorgeous there. Um, and I do. I, I really want to go from Canada to South America, and I want to bring Winston with me. No, Winston. <laughs> They're just yeah, there's just so many places that I want to go, but I figured since I have this this bike that is lined up in in Africa. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah. So it's just planning what I'm going to do in the fall because uh, I'm I'm not actually a Canadian. I should forfeit my passport. I don't do the cold at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame so, you. Yeah, come October, I'm getting the heck out of there. I don't know where it's to, but, you know, whatever opportunity presents itself, I'm going to kind of go with that. Well, great. So uh, how can people follow you, check you out, see your work, and where you're headed next and all that? I have a few social channels. So I have my Instagram, which is at Rosie Gabriel, and then I have my YouTube, which is, again, just my name, Rosie Gabriel. And my Facebook page, which is Rosie Gabriel. And uh, my YouTube, as I said, it is very behind. My videos that I'm posting, I'm still posting my amount. Um, but if you want to know any current updated information, it will be on my um, Instagram or my Facebook. Okay. And uh, But be sure a lot of people um, go to my personal Facebook page. They don't realize I have a trap page the public figure page you have to like that page not follow it a lot of people follow it but it's the likes that i count so like that page and then you'll get all the updates on your news feed well you've got like 50 almost 5500 people liking your uh, your public figure page and almost 6000 people are following yeah. that page that's quite impressive yeah and <laughs> it's my it's my smallest page by by numbers. My Instagram has eighteen three thousand followers, and my YouTube is now what is it up like, to well, now? One of these I saw is like twenty one thousand. Yeah, you have eighteen thousand followers <clears throat> on Instagram. Excuse me. Um, and Instagram. of course your your videos. Yeah, and you know, twenty one thousand views on this one video. <laughs> so thirty seven thousand views. No, um, so yeah, you're getting a lot of action there. No, my one video has a hundred and thirty thousand views. Which one? It's the it's the one where I said I dropped the bike and I buy myself. Where is this? Um, Can you right I can't pick picture. up my camera? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I dropped my bike. Oh, I, I'm by myself and I dropped the bike off to a bang on day one. It's 131,000 views on that one. That's, that's wow. Oh, I just reached over 12,000 subscribers on my YouTube. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Look at that. But I was looking at numbers of other um, top YouTubers out there, and they're not even getting a third of the views I am in, in that I just posted two weeks ago. I'm up to 35,000. And... It, suddenly it's just grown overnight and I'm just so thankful I put in so much work 
to get to where I am right oh. now, and it's just really, it's like watching your child grow and being so proud. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, f- from this podcast, you'll get a lot more views, because what it ends up happening is, is it cascades. From here, it goes to there, and then it just spreads out, and hopefully you'll get a lot more, uh, mm-hmm. more views from this, I hope so. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, so one more thing. What about Winston? Sure. Winston. You miss oh. him? Oh my gosh, it breaks my heart. Like he is my fur child. He's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> and like we've never been apart for more than a few couple months, I'd say. Mm-hmm. This is the longest I've ever been without him and it it's tough. It's it's really tough. Especially since we did the California trip, he was attached to me for 23 days. Mm-hmm. And after that, I couldn't even go to the toilet without him like just by my feet. Like mom, 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 like Needy, <laughs> I felt so bad losing leaving him, but he's with my mom in Canada at the moment, mm-hmm. and I I get to video call him every now and then. I was just going to ask you, like, <laughs> do you do Skype calls with Winston? <laughs> yeah, I do, my sweet boy. <clears throat> but I just found out because I was devastated thinking about, gosh, I really want to do this round the world trip, but yeah, I, it's so hard to be away from him. And I knew that South Africa has a quarantine policy. But just the other day, I went on the the website, and Canada is exempted from that quarantine. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, I could bring him. There yeah. So now I'm in the midst of um, kind of researching different ways, like maybe boxes that have cooling systems or like uh, uh, good friends of mine, they they travel the world with their little pug. And mm-hmm. so it's it's doable. Well, of course. Well, and uh, so a, I'm looking. A friend of the uh, podcast, uh, Adam Sandoval, who was a guest on the show, he uh, does this thing, Scoot in America, where he rode around to every Harley Davidson dealer in the U.S. and he travels with his little Chihuahua scooter uh, in the back. He's got a little, nice. little case on the back, and he travels with this with, with this dog everywhere. Now, granted, this is just in the U.S., yeah. but it can be done. And your your dog, yeah. Winston's not really a yeah. dog; he's a small dog. <clears throat> no, he's a small human. He's very hairy. <laughs> I know um, exactly. The doing. only issue, yeah, the only issue would be borders and getting him into different. But most of these countries, I mean, you pay them money and you can do pretty much anything. And the fact that I'm on a single female on a bike with a dog, I mean, most people, you know, if a police pulls me over, he doesn't want to give me a ticket. He wants to take a selfie with me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's fine. Well, I have yeah. I have fur kids too, yeah. so I understand exactly what it is, and I hate being apart from mine as well. I'm usually a wreck, yeah. but uh, yeah. Rosie, listen, I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and speaking with you. Yeah, you too, Ted. Thank you so much for having me. This was a, a real pleasure. Thank you. Listen, you have to uh, also let us know what bike you get. Just get, keep in touch. Mm-hmm. And let me know what bike you pick up when you get back down to uh, Johannesburg. Yeah, I'm really curious. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. All right, so thank sure. you. Thank and you if you much. have any recommendations on uh, bikes that I should choose, let me know. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is as a Harley guy, that, that's all mm-hmm. I've ever ridden. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of partial to the V-Strom. But, again, this is right. a bike you'll have to try out for you. Have to, you have to sit on and check it out. I, li- I also like the, uh, the KTM Adventure, but it's kind of mm-hmm. a big bike. And also the uh, Yamaha... Um, Tenere, the Super Tenere, which is yeah, a, yeah. a big, yeah. it's again, it's a bigger bike, so it might not be suitable for mm-hmm. you. But you have to go with what yeah. you feel comfortable with. 
Yeah, the ones I was actually looking at was the BMW GS Adventure and um, the Tiger as well, the 800. The Tiger is really good too. I hear a lot of great mm. things about that. Yeah. So, yeah. Or if I could get my hands on an African Twin, that would be awesome. Uh, you know, that's one of the, one of the few um, adventure bikes that I sat on at the uh, IMS mm-hmm. show, and I was mm-hmm. actually—I mean, I could flat foot all of them, and I'm a tall guy. Mm-hmm. I'm six feet tall, so and I got, you know, simian proportions actually so i'm able mm. to sit on all these bikes easily but uh, for that bike, bike might, might be a little tall for you though really okay I i've think, never I actually think. sat on one well, so. check one out yeah you, if you get the opportunity please do so mm-hmm. well, again rosie thank you very much for joining me here on the show all right awesome thank, thank you. you ride safe thank you for listening to this episode 95 with rosie gabriel you can check out her work on her Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube, and I highly recommend you do that. All the links for those are in the show notes, so please do check that out. Don't forget to check out our friends over at the Loud Pipes Podcast, the Throttled Podcast, Motorcycles and Misfits, Cleveland Moto, Motorific Cafe Racer Podcast, and of course the Wheel Nerds. And for you video nerds, please check out Del Boy's Garage on YouTube, and don't forget to check out Rosie as well. You might learn something. All of these podcasts and many more out there like to do great things to promote and encourage our sport and our passion. Also, please check out our sponsors, Love Jugs. Cool off your big tin with Love Jugs. All right. That's uh, love-jugs.com. And, of course, Zero 3D, providing you with top-quality accessories, comfort, and performance parts for your big twins. Zero 3D.com. They're very good over there. Check those guys out. And our new friends at Uclear Digital. Thank you very much for Dave Cook over there for supplying us with some Uclear products to uh, test out and run through the mill. And make sure you check them out. Last but not least, please check out, get your leather on with Surefire Designs and our buddy Joe over there. Get custom lids for your bagger and Sims Designs. Your bike ain't cool until it's Sims Designs cool. And, of course, go over to our good friend Dave Ackerman over at Tobacco Motorware and get yourself some Kevlar line jeans. And my favorite is their Kevlar line uh, California riding shirt. That's some good crap over there, all right? It's not crap. It's good stuff. Anyway, from Timbuktu, Chris the Joker and me, Ted, wrong way, your host. Thank you for listening to the Motorcycle Men podcast. This was episode 95 with Rosie Gabriel. All right. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Motorcycle Men podcast. And you know, this is where we say stupid stuff so you don't have to. Ride safe, kids.